1: Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson on demand.
2: Is this not the quietest Major League Baseball lockout of all time? This has got to be about day 81 of the lockout arrash that nobody knows they're in.
0: They're
1: idiotic. They're so stupid. I don't know how else about this rod. I mean here you are as a business, your viewership is down, your ratings are down, your attention is the attention on your business is down, the metrics are down, and what do you do? A you lockout? Ali, this is as short-sighted as it gets. This is the Rod Peterson Show.
2: Hi, everybody. It's the RP Show. It's Hour 2. We're coming to you from the Great Eagle Resort and Casino, Calgary's entertainment destination. And Hour 2 of the RP Show here on Game Plus Television and live streaming on YouTube is brought to you by Great Western Original, 16 beers found across Western Canada. And if you're lucky... There might even be one in your fridge purchase at a store near you today. Couple of things I'm going to do. Actually, just one more before we bring in our next guest off the top of our two. No, two things. Breaking news. The commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakavich, announced he's stepping down this morning. This is huge news. The guy who's had grand plans. He's overseen expansion the past couple of years to Las Vegas, Fort Worth, San Diego, Philadelphia. Nick Sakavich stepping down. The commissioner that had the grand plan of expansion expanding this league to 30 teams within the next decade, stepping down. We'll get to the bottom of that. Viewer mail, Mike Hall, watching in Vernon, B.C., writes in and he says, Rod, you said the Olympics haven't changed since 1988. It's over double the size since 88. In 94, the Canadian team was 107 athletes. It was 215 this year. There have been many sports and events added. So my bad. I guess what I meant was the presentation of the Olympics really hasn't changed. But I get what you're saying. Okay, well, this is a big treat of mine. You can bring him on the screen. I'm going to read his, his bio, not that anybody wouldn't know who he is. Peter Mars, is a retired Canadian sportscaster, radio voice of the NHL's Calgary Flames from their move to Calgary from 1980 until his retirement in 2014. He broadcast every Flames game for 33 years straight, announcing the games on the city's all-sports radio station, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, or Peter, as you know, Calgary Flames Radio, 66 CFR. Best known for bellowing, yeah, baby, and uh, after a significant moment, and after every Flames win, you can put it in the win column. And he began his broadcasting career at age, eight, uh, age 14, broadcasting the lineup for the Campbellton Softball League. Hall of Famer and a hero of mine, Peter Mar joins us today. How you doing, Pete?
1: Pretty good, Ron. Thank you. Pleasure to be on your program.
2: A lot of people very excited to hear your voice and see your face again. Peter, I got so many things I want to get to with you, but how about these Calgary Flames? When's the last time you saw the excitement in this town where it is right now for this team that's won 10 in a row?
1: It's been a while. There's no question about that. I probably have to go back to, to 2004, which was the first, uh, carnation of, uh, Daryl Sutter as coach of the, uh, Flames. That was the, the, great run to the Stanley Cup final and, uh, and uh, to game seven, losing out to Tampa, unfortunately. And there's a lot, there's some similarities between then and what's happening now, because, uh, back then, Daryl took over the season before, uh, halfway through the, the campaign in, uh, in 2002, and uh and uh, you know he coached them for about 40 games or so they didn't really uh move up enough to have uh, a playoff position uh, just as it was the case last year when he took over as coach of the Flames just beyond the midway point didn't get them into the playoffs but there was a pretty big hole dug in there but he certainly had uh, staked his claim with the players on the team just uh, as he did then and uh, now he's got this team playing outstanding hockey and certainly it's incredible uh, the 10-game win streak that they're on right now. The, the two 10-game win streak the Flames had were not part of broadcasts that I did, ironically, because uh, the first one was when the team was in Atlanta in 1978-79, and the second one was uh, after I had retired. In, uh, 20, it happened in 2017-18. So it's uh, got a lot of excitement going on in the city here.
2: Well, and, and by the way, <clears throat> you talk about your career. I do still have the letter that you wrote me in 1993 critiquing my play-by-play. And thankfully, unlike Dick Irvin, who told me to get out of the broadcasting business, Pete, he did. You were very, uh, very gracious to me and kind, and I appreciate you doing that. And um, yeah, it was not part of your career, but you had those long playoff runs in the Stanley Cup in 1989. And I wonder where you fall on this team, Peter, because Mark Stephen came here yesterday and he said, pump the brakes, I'll be the bad guy and say this team hasn't had any playoff success. Certainly, since 0-4 and before that '89, are you think they are they getting ahead of themselves in this town because of the lack of playoff success?
1: Well, I'm going to answer that in a lot of the ways Daryl Sutter would answer that question. You know, Daryl made an interesting comment the other day that you may have seen Rod uh, when he when they asked him about the 10 game win streak, and he said, "10 game win streaks don't mean anything to me unless it's into the playoffs." Or something to that effect is what he said. so yeah, it may be a little early to get too too excited, but nonetheless it's been a while since this team has created uh, this type of excitement in in the city and uh, so I you know it's justified that uh, the people are excited for it but you know I wouldn't having be planning any Stanley Cup parades right now, just let things unfold as they go and hopefully this team can continue to have a, a strong run of uh, success and uh, get themselves into the playoffs in a good position. And then, uh, you know, make some things happen when when the postseason gets going. But definitely this team has, uh, you look at it, it, it seems to be, you know, very, very strong. Uh, the style of play that they play, the way Daryl has them going is Daryl's style of hockey that he's had a lot of success with in the past, uh, be it uh, Chicago, be it San Jose, uh, be it Calgary, and Los Angeles, where he uh, coached a couple of Stanley Cup uh, winning teams. So, um Uh, You really like the depth that this team has right now, and I think the added addition of Toffoli last week was a big plus for the team as well.
2: Well, now, Peter, to the real fun stuff. Uh, The one burning question I have for you, and I have a few, but the one I want to know the most. Mike Vernon or Mika Kiprasov, who's the best goalie in Calgary Flames history?
1: Uh, You know, I would say Mike Vernon because he won a Stanley Cup so now, now the having said answer. that Chippersoff could say he won a Stanley Cup too, but got robbed of it in uh, game six of the uh, that Stanley Cup final in two thousand and four on uh, Marty Gellenna's goal that uh, they didn't count um you know, so that that might even up the tilt the the scale a little bit between Tippersoff and Vernon, but you know they both played in different eras when they were here in 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 calgary and in, in Mike's time. It was when the high- scoring NHL era, and he made a lot of saves when games were on the line. I remember talking recently with uh, Terry Crisp, who of course was coach to that Flame Stanley Cup winning team, And Terry hadn't watched uh, the final game against Montreal from 1989 until just recently. Maybe uh, maybe it was a year and a half, two years ago. And he came away from that saying he said, "I didn't. I'd forgotten how well Mike Vernon had played in that game." And without his outstanding work, we wouldn't have won that, uh, that game to win the Stanley Cup. And Mike was solid all through that uh, Stanley Cup run. I remember uh, when the game uh, five, which was the night the Flames won the Cup in, in uh, Montreal, or game six in Montreal, when they won the Cup, I was just waiting for the announcement of who was going to win the uh, most valuable player award from the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And I made the comment on the air with my then-color commentator, Doug Barkley. I said, I think it's going to be Mike Vernon. And it turned out it was Al McInnes, but I understand later it was an extremely close vote that uh, McInnes won by one vote ahead of uh, of Vernon. So, you know, Mike, uh, when the games were on the line, he made all the big saves. In fact, in that playoff run in in 89, he he saved them in in the opening round series against Vancouver. Uh, Game seven of that series, which nobody expected was going to happen, but it did happen, went to game seven in the Saddle Dome. And the Canucks had uh, numerous great scoring opportunities in that overtime period, but Vernon came up with some outstanding saves, including one off of Stan Smeal that still stands out in, in my mind, as well as a couple of others. And uh, he kept them in the game. And uh, then uh, Joel Otto went down and scored the overtime winning goal. And after that, the Flames kind of breezed a little bit in the, in the playoffs. So, but then having said all of that, uh, watching Kiprasov and that incredible run in in uh, 4 uh, if it wasn't for his great work, that team wouldn't have gone that far in the playoffs. I mean, they got into the playoffs as a number six seed in the West and ended up beating out uh, the pennant-winning teams in the first three rounds, uh, first being Vancouver, then Detroit, which was a major upset, and then San Jose before taking on Tampa in the final. And, uh, you know, that that was a Daryl Sutter team that won games 2-1, 3-2. There were no high, not any high-scoring games in that time. And it was Kiprasov's great work in the net that, that kept them in there. So maybe I could call it a draw between those two guys. <laughs> well, I, you almost have to <laughs> be Interestingly, interesting, believe me. Yeah. Other than Vernon yeah. and Kiprasov, the Flames have never had a goaltender be number one more than three years in a row. So Mark from, uh, has another year to go to uh, enter into that stage.
2: He's got a lot to prove before he's up with those other fellows, but I'm with you. And and the other thing I would add, though, is that Mike Vernon was doing it in his hometown. And, you know, and he starred with the Wranglers. And that couldn't have been easy. You know, that has its benefits and its drawbacks. From the viewers, Matthew Decker writing, says, many nights I'd have the radio on when I was supposed to be sleeping. Listening to Peter call Flames games the best in the business and one of the nicest people to grace this earth. From Kirk Sorota in Calgary. Hello, Peter. I had the pleasure of meeting you on my birthday back during one of the intermissions at the Saddle Dome. You are still a class act and the best. Uh, from Jeff the Stams fan. 1986, Smythe Division Final was the greatest playoff series ever. The Flames have done it. Yeah, baby. So they're all remembering it, Peter, as we talk. Now here's another one I have for you rod phillips i knew peter growing up in saskatchewan how lucky we were to have yourself rod phillips and over in winnipeg kurt Kielbeck. but in these flames oilers battles the wars how did you and rod get along i always wondered what your relationship was going up to the broadcast booth and these heated rivalries and both hall of famers what's your what's your what was it like then what's it like now
1: well, we all got we got along pretty well. Uh, no, there were never any real major incidents that happened. The only real incident that happened that really had nothing to do with uh, with Rod. But uh, during that playoff series that you're talking about there in 1986, which, of course, the Oilers were supposed to win, they'd won the previous two Stanley Cups, they'd ran away with the, the regular season uh, title uh, but the Flames found a way to get that series to uh, to seven games and win, then win game seven. And that, yeah, baby that uh, you mentioned there, that was the first time that I used that yell. But it was interesting in the morning of game five of that uh, particular series, uh, after the uh, uh, Oilers had had their morning skate, this was a game being played in Edmonton. And... Um, uh, I was asking, it was after they come off the ice, you usually ask a player to uh, come aside with you and, and do about a two or three minute interview that you would record and then run it on the pregame show that night. Well, I had asked about four or five Oilers uh, for an interview and all of them said no. They just brushed me off and went by. Well, so finally, I went over to their media relations guy for the Oilers and made the comment to him, look, I'm trying to get one of your guys uh uh, for an interview that I can record to put on our pregame show on our broadcast tonight, and nobody seems to want to talk to me. And uh, the media relations guy made the comment to me, "We're not talking to you." <laughs> and uh, I kind of said, "Oh, pardon me. What seems to be the issue there?" He said, "Well, we heard uh, during the broadcast of the game the other night from Calgary that you were calling Wayne Wayne Gretzky. You were calling Wayne a whiner all through the broadcast." And I said, "I beg your pardon." I never called Wayne a whiner once, let alone through the course of the uh, broadcast. In fact, if you'd like, I'll get a uh, I'll get a copy of the uh, tape recording of that game sent to you. And that can prove that I didn't uh, make that comment about uh, Wayne. And so he kind of walked away and then he came back and he had Charlie Huddy come out and uh, give me uh, give me a two or three minute interview so when that is over, I went back to the media relations guy for the Oilers and I said, you know, I'd like to talk to Wayne just to get this break. Because Wayne has always been, uh, uh, always been friendly with me and always granted me one interview a year. So uh, it was interesting. He went back in and he came out and he said, Rod, uh, he said, Wayne will be out in about, uh, about five, ten minutes. So if you want to wait. So when... When Wayne came out, I got him aside, and I said, Wayne, I understand there's some miscommunication here that uh, you have heard that I made the comment that you were a whiner all through the broadcast of the game the other night from Calgary. And I said, I want to let you know that I did not. In fact, I'm going to have the uh, tape recording of that game sent to the media relations uh, office, and he can hear for himself to uh, prove that I didn't call you the whiner. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, when I heard that comment, he said, I wondered about it because there are times when I'd be driving around Edmonton and the Flames would be playing that night, I'd be listening to the Flames game on the radio, and I always found you a very fair a broadcaster that was fair for both teams and players on both teams. So that was, uh, you know, that tells you what the height of the uh, the uh, rivalry was back in 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 that time. And we got that all resolved and went on from there. But yeah, that was one of the incidents that happened through all of that time. And uh, that was a that was an incredible series. Incidentally, that's the only time the Flames have beaten the Oilers in a playoff series in the history of it. In fact, they haven't had a playoff series since 1990, so we're due for one.
2: <laughs> no kidding. Well, oh man, what a story! I'm reeling here. By the way, and Jeff, the, with that, and the Jeff the Stamps fan writes in and says uh, that makes me hate the Oilers even more. <laughs> he says. Um, <laughs> Was that Bill Tewellie, by the way, that you were dealing with, Peter? At yeah, I was time? trying
1: to think his name, and I couldn't think <laughs> of. Yeah, Bill Tewellie was the guy, media relations guy. Yeah. So. Well, the only reason I asked was, was, was because he started moved to, uh, just outside Vancouver. He'd come to some of the Canuck games, and we had a good laugh about that uh, back then, too.
2: Peter, he's a regular viewer of this show, Bill Tovelli. So he's probably, he's emailed me, he's probably watching right now out in BC, making sure that we've got that story right, and I know that you nailed it. Lou, or um, Pete, would you mind, can you stick with us through a four-minute break and come back and tell a few more stories? Are you okay with that?
1: Yeah, sure, I can do that, yep, yep.
2: Outstanding. The Hall of Famer, Peter Marr, with us Longtime Calgary Flames broadcaster, Hall of Famer, Hockey Hall of Famer, will join us when we come back and we'll get to some of your questions. The text line open, 902-518-3033. Text us right here at Gray Eagle, or you can write us in the chat as well. You're watching the RP Show on the Game Plus Television Network, available all across Alberta and BC on Telesoptic TV. Live streaming on YouTube and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Another beautiful day out here in the Canadian Rockies, and we're broadcasting from the Gateway to the Foothills, Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. It is the RP Show, episode number 702 of your favorite daytime sports talk show. We are brought to you by Great Western Original 16 beers. They are found across Western Canada, and if you're lucky, there might even be one in your fridge Purchased at a store near you today. The Hall of Famer Peter Marr is with us um, on the broadcast today. Uh, Some of the viewer comments are great, Pete. Um, Gino, the voice of the Okotoks Oilers, says, God bless Doug Barkley and Mike Rogers. (laughs) Those were some fun times, right, with your color commentators, uh, Pete? You got um, some stories about those guys and how much fun it was calling all those games. Were those the only two you worked with and Labardius at the end? Who all were your color guys?
1: Yeah, I worked with uh, uh, Doug Barkley for 21 years and uh, Mike Rogers for uh, 12 years. And then the final year of my uh, playing broadcast career, Peter Labardius was the uh, color commentator. So uh, they were three guys that were all very easy to work with and all different styles, but uh, very, very informative uh, from their their knowledge of the game of of hockey and provided the listeners with some great, great insights while I just did the play-by-play, calling the action as it goes from one end to the other, so yeah. Doug was uh, Doug was a guy, a former NHL player, former NHL coach who probably would have been a superstar in the NHL, but he lost his eye uh, when he was playing with the uh, Detroit Red Wings and uh, had his career come to an end uh, earlier than it should have. After being one of the top defensemen in the league for his first three or four years in the league, and he had some great, great insights uh, in the game. And uh, then, of course, when uh, Doug retired, Mike Rogers came on, and uh, Mike, of course, uh, had a very outstanding career both in the world hockey association and the nhl one of the great things about uh working with um, mike was other than the fact that he really knew the game well was that anytime we'd go to detroit we get an opportunity to sit down and have a beer or so with uh, gordy Howe, because uh, mike played with gordy both in hartford and the world hockey association and uh, also played with them elsewhere so they had a real uh they were real really good friendship, so I'd get together with them and hear some great stories from them over the, over the years. So, uh, and Peter Labardi is, of course, not a former player, but, boy, he had some, has some great insights into the uh, game of hockey and great knowledge of all the players that are playing in the games and still doing a wonderful job on uh, the flame broadcast that are uh, going on these days on the Fan 960 with Derek Wills. Well, it was an a, outstanding job yeah, as it was, well in the play-by-play role.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying listening to those guys. And, but it was a magic time with yourself and those guys. And uh, as you know, I went to Mount Royal. So we're driving around this town, I just hear your voice echoing. And it comes in my head all the time. And your voice is still strong. It reminds me of John Lynch. You must have known John Lynch, the Hall of Fame Rough Riders broadcaster, whom I just spoke with this morning. He's yep. 82, and the voice is just... Strong like bull. Still to this day. I don't know what it is. This must be a broadcaster thing. Anyways, BW. I don't think I could broadcast the game
1: and keep the strong voice today, though. <laughs> it's good for a segment <laughs> well, who like knows? this. Well. I'd, like, I'd like to
2: see you try. It may be an alumni game or something. But BW is watching on YouTube. He says, Peter, what is your favorite story from the corral days of the Flames? And do you think that magic could happen for Arizona going into a 5,000-seat arena for three years?
1: Well, the the beauty of the I, I always said that broadcasting games from the Stampede Corral in Calgary was the best ideal broadcast location. I mean, you're almost on the ice. I mean, you were elevated a little bit, but uh, I mean, you were right on top of the uh, top of the players. You could call the games real easily. And uh, the other interesting aspect of it was that uh, the the crowd in the Saddle Saddlemount. Uh, or excuse me, in the corral was right on top of the players. I mean, it was, and the boards were high. The Flames, when they first came to Calgary from Atlanta, had a very physical team, and those high boards and the crowd being so close to the ice, I think it was intimidating uh, to the uh, to the opponents. Uh, and um, during that first year that the Flames played there, uh, they lost only five games at home in the corral that entire season. But the one one time that stands out for me was uh, in that uh, in the final season of the Corral, the 1982-83 season. That was the year that Lanny McDonald scored, what's still a club record, 66 goals. And he scored 42 of those goals in the Corral. And I can still see him uh, scoring a whole bunch of those goals as he'd go up the right wing boards and then hustle in behind the net, then get in front, get the puck, and fire it into the goal. And, uh, you know, there are just so many memories from the Corral. It's, it, it, it's kind of unfortunate, although the building's been there for a long time, but it got torn down over the last year or so. So uh, no longer can go in there and relive any of those uh, memories that we had from those great times in the crowd while the, sad- the Saddle Dome was being built. Now I think it's gonna be a total different situation in uh, in Arizona where they go to a brand new arena that they're going into that has the 5,000 seats in a whole different time uh, for the NHL. So, and I don't think that the crowd in Arizona is going to be quite as, um, as boisterous as that game was in the corral back in those uh first three years that the flames have played there so uh it's going to be real interesting to see how that goes there this is a team that doesn't get that bigger crowd in the other arena that they played in in uh in the phoenix area and so um i, I always believed that if the uh ever had Coyotes ever had a pretty good team on the ice that they would have drawn some real good crowds out of the arena that they've been playing in for the past number of years but unfortunately for most of the years that they played there Didn't have a very good team. So it's going to be... I'm actually amazed that the team is still in uh, Phoenix, to be quite frank, given how how the response they get from the crowds there. I know.
2: I'm not entirely certain why they keep driving that square peg in the round hole, but... From our viewers, Ron Thompson in Calgary watching on Game Plus TV says, uh, excited to hear from Peter, the absolute best radio hockey commentator ever, Hall of Famer. Can you ask Peter if he would come back for one game if Calgary makes the playoffs? We in Calgary would be so honored. Uh, That from from Ron, when we talk about your Hall of Fame induction, Peter, what can you tell me about that time um, when you learned of it, what you felt, and when you went in, did you talk about that for a bit?
1: Well, when I learned of it, I was driving in my car and I got a phone call. And um, nowadays I wouldn't answer the phone if, if it rang while I was in the car. But um, in that, those days I did. And uh, it was, uh, was a great call from, uh, from uh, Bill Hay and also B- Dick Irvin was on there. And uh, they told me that I had been uh, selected to uh, be the recipient of the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award. And... Um, would be honored at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So uh, I then stopped the car and parked it, and then had a nice conversation with the guys. And uh, that was uh, that was the original uh, thought uh, time that I got the word that I uh, was going to be inducted in the in the Hockey Shrine in the Toronto. And um, you know I had a it was a you know the the thing that I I, I look back on it and um, you know the Hall of Fame ceremony is a whole weekend. It kind of starts on Friday. And it goes through until a month. In my situation, the Flames had a game in Vancouver on the Saturday night uh, of the uh, Hall of Fame induction weekend. So I uh, decided that I would broadcast the game in Vancouver on the Saturday night and then take the red-eye flight, uh, or excuse me, take the flight out the next morning, early the next morning uh, at six o'clock, I think it was, and then fly to Toronto. But my family had all gone to Toronto on Thursday. So they would already been part of the festivities on on uh, Friday and Saturday and most of uh, Sunday. By the time I got there, it was uh, about three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Toronto time, and uh, all of my family and a bunch of my friends that were there. They were all in the lobby of the Harbour Castle Hotel in uh, Toronto, uh, meeting me there with a with a big ovation. But most of them were still hungover from uh, being at the event that they had gone to on Saturday night. So uh, I had to catch up in that vein with the, with all the crew. But it was yeah, it was quite a an and interesting, uh, you know, couple of days, because I got to then uh, soak it all in on Sunday night, which is the night when they had the uh, parties, and I was fortunate enough that uh, the year that I uh, was honored at the Hockey Hall of Fame was the same year that Flames, uh, former Flames owner Harley Hotchkiss uh, was uh, also uh, honored and inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, so on the Sunday night, the party night, the Flames had uh, reserved the, um, the uh, the grand hall of the, uh, of the hall of fame to have a uh, party. And so of course, uh, all of our crew was in on that party as well. And then afterwards at a restaurant that was nearby the hall of fame, we had our own party and had all the gang that was at the hall of fame come over to that one. And so that went on to well into the, uh, into the night. And, um, and of course it was a, a wonderful time there. And then the next day with all of the, uh, the ceremonies that went on to, uh, to honor me at the Hall of Fame, that you'll never, I'll never forget that uh, particular time. The only thing that I regret about it is that I never went. I still haven't gone to have a look at my plaque in the Hockey Hall of Fame because uh, <laughs> that night after the um, after the event was all over, there were so many things that were going on. Uh, you know, didn't um, you know, didn't go into the Grand Hall or went into the Grand Hall, but didn't have a have a look at where the uh, where the portrait was uh, of myself. But one of these days, uh, hopefully, I'll get there and have an opportunity to have a look at that.
2: You know, we opened this hour, which, of course, brought to you by Great Western Original 16 Beer. I mentioned the, the letter from the viewer about the Olympics. And one viewer has written in, Zach in Calgary, says, Peter, do you have a favorite story from the 2010 Olympics? And I forgot that you had the radio call of that iconic tournament and the golden goal by Sidney the Kid. That must have been a pretty exciting time.
1: Yeah, that was an incredible, that was an incredible two weeks uh, in, in Vancouver for that Hall of Fame opportunity or shouldn't the, the olympic opportunity to uh to to broadcast all of the team canada uh, men's games in that uh, tournament and you know i you know you talk about all the excitement from the uh, men's team winning the gold medal with uh, Sidney crosby uh, scoring the the winning goal and it, what was interesting to me was that uh, on that uh, winning goal uh, that uh, that crosby scored the two the, uh, he was set up by Jerome Aginla. and of course Iginla and crosby were the two players on the canadian team that I I knew the best. Jerome obviously uh, being a member of the Flames for all those years, and uh, uh, Sydney being from the Maritimes, which is I'm also from the Maritimes. He's from Nova Scotia, and I'm from New Brunswick. I'd go back in the summer and play in charity golf tournaments there, and that's where I got to meet Sydney. So it was kind of nice that uh, the uh, the big goal for the Canadian team to gain the gold medal in overtime would come from uh, two guys that I on the team that I knew the best and uh, had the great pleasure of uh, calling that goal. I also uh, three days before that was in the building. I didn't call the game, but I was there watching uh, the game where the Canadian women won the, uh, the gold medal in, in their competition. And I remember sitting up in the seats and doing a, I was then doing a live broadcast back to um, uh, the fan 960 in in Calgary. Cause every day I would do a, do a show at eight in the morning and five in the afternoon. And the women's game ended a little after, just before i was to go on the air and so i was on the air sitting up in the seats in the uh, in vancouver uh and when the players uh, came on the ice they were um they were smoking cigars and drinking beer and they were having themselves a great fun time out on the ice and i was giving that a live uh, commentary back to the audience in uh, in calgary and of course that got a lot of play on uh, television later on when uh when uh, the team came out on the ice with the cigars and smoking, uh, drinking beer and all that sort of thing. So there were a lot of great memories from that uh, that two week time that I had in uh, in Vancouver. And of course, uh, you know, capping it all off on the final day with that uh, big goal scored by uh, Sidney Crosby, capped it off in, in great, great fashion. And so one of the highlights of my career of uh, being uh, able to call that goal in Canada, winning the gold medal. I remember how the building went so silent Uh, when the um, United States team scored the tying goal in the closing minutes of the uh, regulation time and how all all through the intermission how everybody was uh, kind of um, on edge hoping that the Canadian team could pull the game out but were real worried since then we're going into an overtime game. Another interesting aspect of that that in the Olympics you were broadcast from a location in the lower seating bowl of the uh, of the Coliseum there in in Vancouver not in the regular broadcast booth, which was way up high. So you're right in among the crowd and had an opportunity to chat with them during the, uh, during the intermissions. And certainly during that intermission uh, before the overtime, there was a lot of nervousness in uh, that building. But uh, that was relieved when uh, the winning goal was scored by Crosby.
2: Yeah, it had to be one of the biggest uh, broadcasts of your career and biggest games. And uh, Pete, we only got uh, two minutes here. But I wonder if you ever envision a day that Theron Fleury will be welcomed into the Hockey Hall of Fame, have his number retired here. I don't want to necessarily get into the reasons why they haven't been, but I was just with him last month and at his house and I just love him. You saw him come in, you saw him leave. He's got to be a special guy to you. He's a very special person and obviously a special hockey player.
1: Yes, you know, I, I, I sincerely hope that he does eventually get inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and that his number 14 gets retired at the uh, at the Saddledome or the new building or whatever. Uh it would be better, I guess, if we were in the Saddledome before the new building gets built and hopefully we're going to eventually get the new building. But uh, yeah, I nominated him for both the uh, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame and the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame and he was a first ballot entry on both of those, but Unfortunately, he hasn't met with the same degree of success in uh, getting uh, getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame. But hopefully, one day down the road, the selection committee there will select him for the uh, Hall of Fame. He certainly deserves it. And, uh, you know, to me, and I've already I've told this to Theo, is that, you know, the day that Paul uh, uh, Korea was inducted into the Hall of Fame, That's when I said Theo definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Now, this is no disrespect to Paul Correa. He was a a really good hockey player, an outstanding player, a great, great person. I had a lot of interviews that I did with him. But I I still feel that uh, the credentials that Theo has are uh, better than the credentials that Paul Correa has that got him into the the Hockey Hall of Fame. So hopefully one day Theo will enjoy the opportunity of being inducted into Hockey Shrine.
2: I couldn't agree more. Stanley Cup. Olympic gold, played in the World Juniors, represented his country, and I said to Theo, "Isn't it enough? Isn't it enough to know that you've had a Hall of Fame career?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> he would like that, uh, you know, to be recognized." And I certainly appreciate him for that. Peter, uh, from the viewers, Benjamin says it's about that awesome. A
1: number of occasions, Leo and I, so he definitely deserves to be there. We're both members of the Cottonwood Golf Club, so we, uh, we often see each other there and have a good uh, chat. And uh, hopefully, one day we'll have a chat with him uh, being honored at the Hall of Fame and being inducted.
2: I bet you you do see him there a lot because I know how much he loves golf. Ben Gates says it's awesome hearing He's a lot these better than stories. I am on my <laughs> well, he does it a lot more, I think, but he says it's awesome hearing these stories from Peter Marr, one of the best broadcasters ever. And uh, there's no doubt about that. Peter, you've long known what I think about you and your career and, and as a person and a broadcaster. I appreciate you coming on. Everybody's loved it. Thanks. I'm glad to see things are going so well for you.
1: Well, a pleasure chatting with you, Ron, and uh, much success with your show. It's going great. And I want to thank all those people that took time to uh, text into you with those uh, fine comments. Thank you all very much.
2: All right, thanks, Peter. Be well. You too. You. Hockey Hall of Famer Peter Marr joining us from his Calgary home. I have no idea where the moose is, so I think for the next 20 minutes, it's going to be you and me with Sports Talk the rest of the way with all of the topics that have come up today. So light him up in the chat. The text line is open, 902-518-3033. And we'll be right back to Great Eagle Resort and Casino after this timeout. You're watching on Game Plus TV, YouTube Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
1: Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed.
2: We continue from Calgary's entertainment destination, Gray Eagle Resort and Casino. Shot of the slopes there. So many things to do out here in the Rockies or the foothills. We want to remind you that there are shows coming up here at Gray Eagle, which if we can bring the moose back in, we're going to be uh, giving away tickets to, right, moose?
0: Yeah. So hopefully. Air Supply, yeah. Foreigner. Those are the two. Yeah. So that'll be coming up soon. But we're not doing it just yet. No, but uh, Sheldon's back next week, and I think we'll get all the details, and uh, we'll have some opportunities to win tickets. As we know, people are now flocking to the Gray Eagle uh, since we've been here. I appreciate what everybody's
2: doing. It's gotten to the point that we have to uh, get a promo code for a room rate. If you're coming to the Gray Eagle and you're a friend of the Rod Peterson show, we'll get you a promo code to get you a rate. I never thought that that would be a thing. But everybody is looking around going, wow, it looks like so much fun. I'm going to come out there for a few days, which we're more than happy with. We just didn't expect that that would be a thing. Yeah. Yes, we could go on with a lot more on Peter Marr. Just a few. So, so, As you see, the moose is back. And uh, we're talking about wearing pink tonight to the pink game, the anti-bullying game. Tonight for the the Hitmen and the uh, Raiders. I almost said the Pats. Yesterday, I felt guilty. I felt a little dirty with Randy Chevrier on here promoting tonight's pink game, I told Darren afterwards, I said, I felt dirty. We're talking about the Hitman's charity game. I felt like I was cheating on the Pats (laughs) promoting a junior game, but that's what we're here for, right? Right. And you mentioned, because neither of us brought pink, we don't have it in our suitcase. So Darren's like, let's go get some pink gear. And you said, if I wore a black track suit, with a pink shirt underneath, it would look good. Yeah. and I said I left my black tracksuit in Florida because I got bullied by people in Florida for saying that I looked like Biff from Back to the Future
0: <laughs> in my tracksuit. I so, guess you got to visit the. I was under, bullied. You got to visit the Under Armour outlet now. Forget the bullies; they're not here. They can't touch you in Calgary. I know. I just feel like it's how ironic that I
2: was bullied into not wearing my tracksuit. I know. And now i got to go buy another tracksuit to go to the anti-bullying game. (laughs) Anyways, back to the viewers. This is so much fun with Peter Barr, Calgary Flames Radio 66 CFR. That guy is a freaking legend, man. Mm -hmm. And a stud and everything about it that goes with it. Jeff the Stamps fan says Rod has had Calgary royalty on his show the last week and a half. There's no doubt about that. Zach in Calgary says, would love to have Peter Maher on more often. Outstanding interview, Rod. Great job, team, getting him on as a guest. Thank you, Lee. Lee was behind that, Lee Genier. Now where it gets real fun, patrolman Pete in Winnipeg's watching. In the chat, he says, what a fine gentleman. I can't believe anyone seriously thought he would call Gretzky a whiner during a broadcast. Well, somebody would have called Wayne a whiner. Somebody, maybe it wasn't Peter. Somebody. Might have been Doug Barkley, although it probably wasn't Doug Barkley. Who knows? Probably Jock Wilson, Hey, Lee? It was probably Jock. (laughs) He's like, yep. But here's the thing. I've been sitting here, and you've been right beside me for the last month, eating a little crow, pulling my horns in, and I'm thinking about this Bo Levi thing over my shoulder. And my friend Jack in Vulcan, Alberta, reminds me that I once called Bo Levi Mitchell a puke. On the radio. Uh-oh. On Calgary radio. So while I've been having this very fun back and forth with the Stampeders, of which you've witnessed, right. I would have liked to say, well, all those things back then, it was just for show. I didn't mean it. But the fact is, I can't say that because I did. You wouldn't have said it if you didn't. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I was selling tickets and getting the rivalry going, but we hated each other. The thing is, I, the Riders and the Stamps, we hated each other. It was a professional respect Respect there i mean that's why lee's sitting here right now but you still wanted to beat us and we wanted to beat you come on and that's the thing that i don't like about sports now is everybody's so nice to each other's face and then you leave the room and they drive a knife in your back back then we drive a knife in your front yeah and that was great about it it was 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 awesome about it exactly and i'm just gonna tell you if i don't like you and i still will tell you if i don't like you nobody does that anymore So I guess my point with this Bo stuff is, well, I did feel it at the time. I don't feel it anymore. Yeah. And the interesting thing is with the media and some Stampeders personnel is that now they're letting me behind the curtain and telling me what the real Bo is all alike. And that's why they love him so much because all he wants to do is win. And he wants to win so bad he would die trying to win. And that's what's made him the all-time winningest percentage in CFL history as a starting quarterback. How can you not respect that? But we see it from the other side, and that's watching his interviews at halftime now, where he's complaining about the officiating or complaining about that. If you're not on his side, you're not going to like him.
0: Fair? Right. You only see a bite-sized little pieces of it. You know, I don't want to compare him to Brad Marchand, but I guess I kind of just did, right? I mean, a little bit of the same, where you love having this guy on your team. You hate playing against him, and the guy's really competitive. But that's we don't see that enough in sports, where you really get to know people and really what's going on and it feels like we used to. That's the fun thing of what's going on now Yeah, uh, with us being out here. Um,
2: we'll take a break and come back with more viewer takeover. Just one more from Jeff, the Stams fan. He says, 21,000 in the Dome used to call Gretzky a whiner every time he touched the puck. Yeah, but that's your fans. The broadcasters probably shouldn't do that.
0: Right? Uh, so, but dang, it's fun. I know. They shouldn't at all. But I was watching the Thirty for Thirty documentary on Dion's double play when he played yeah. two games in one day, and it was the broadcaster Tim McCarver. Yeah, they had a real back and forth, and McCarver just Ripped was him all over Dion for doing that. It was disrespectful. And in the celebration when they won the National League Championship Series, Dion brought the ice cold water, and McCarver's doing his interviews, and he splashed him with it. Because he wasn't going to beat him up, but he splashed him with the water. And McCarver went back at him and said, you're a real man, Dion. You're a real man. And they still wouldn't apologize. He wouldn't accept an apology unless it was in public. And Dion wasn't doing it at the time. Well, you see, that's the thing is
2: the fun thing here. I've been down on bended knee saying to the Stampeders, look, it's over. I apologize. And, and they're finally coming around. Yeah, That's the fun thing. Anyways, when we come back, I want to talk to you about... Sean Avery coming out of retirement, Uh, because we have not addressed that yet. Matthew Barnaby now wants to come out of retirement. we got a lot to get to in viewer takeover and overtime right after this. You're watching on Game Plus TV, also wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now.
2: here we go one more time it is overtime proudly presented by the four season sports palace your home for the ufc and the national hockey league and the moose is with me i'm gonna read one more text from the 902 line then we'll get to the sean Avery thing. but randy in winnipeg's watching on game plus tv and he says i agree with theron flurry for the hall of fame reminds me of a funny story about theo was asked what advice would you give young players getting into the nhl he said Don't get married. LOL. How about (laughs) that? Yeah, Randy. All right. In the peg. We're having a lot of fun with the back and forth. Devin is watching in British Columbia on Game Plus. He says, Derek Taylor named the new voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yep, we addressed it two hours ago, bruh. Wayne in Victoria, BC. You can talk to any fan of the CFL that's not a Stamp fan, and they won't call Bo classy. Just my opinion. There's certain guys, and I would put myself into that category, that Matthew Kachuk, Marshawn, Bo, Deron, if they're on your team, you love them. If they're not on your team, you hate them. There's no yeah. in between. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I view it. Wayne in Victoria, BC. Hey, Rod, any guesses on who replaces Derek Taylor for the Ryder play-by-play job? Nope. No guesses. I don't really care. Does that sound bad? Is that bad? No. I don't. No. Not We're not guessing. Good luck to all involved. Uh, Jack and in Vulcan, Alberta. Rod, to win the way Bo wins, you have to have an edge. Bo is a great and loving husband and dad and a great friend. I will defend him to my death. Mic drop. <laughs> that from Jack. Right. Well, Sean Avery's like that. Although, even guys that played with Sean Avery don't like Sean Avery. That's the difference. I know. Right? So, he's come out of retirement. He's been retired for 10 years. Can you believe it's been 10 years? He's coming out of retirement to play in the ECHL with the plans of signing in the NHL. So, there's that. And then our good friend Matthew Barnaby said he wants to come out of retirement. And that's the problem, guys.
0: One guy does it, and then they all want to come out. Well... We should get maybe we gotta get Barnaby on, but Barnaby wants to come back just so he can take a run at Avery. You think that? He he, I, did he say that? Well, I wanted, I'm gonna pull up his tweet, but it, you gotta look at, at Barnaby's tweet because it was something like that. He's like, "You can play me as little as you want. You just gotta sign me in the East Coast League if Avery's coming back." So it was all about well, if Avery's coming back, sign me and let me play against them because I don't think they like each other all that much and nobody likes Sean Avery. No. And even his own team, when he's waving his stick in front of Martin Brodeur there, you could see players on his own bench being like, what are you doing? This is like, so I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, but a guy would probably come back if he just feels like he didn't leave it all out on the ice and he has unfinished business. Yeah,
2: well, Sheldon66 watching on YouTube says, I'm not a Bo fan, but the league needs more guys like him. My cousin Christine in medicine hat says, not a Bo fan at all. Well, no, but you're a Ryder fan. And by the way, Bo signed this jersey knowing that it was for me. So there's got to be something good about the guy. There's a lot good about the guy. Uh, Jennifer watching in the fourth season says, Claude Lemieux? I think some guys that played with Claude Lemieux didn't like him very much either. So there's guys that take it to a whole other step. Oh, yeah. Right? So, anyways, what are we at, Clark, for time? Oh, three and a half. I thought we were down to like one minute left. Well, that'll give me a minute to tell you about the Kinsman Telemiracle 50 50 online lotto. I, we've sold a couple thousand dollars since we've been on the air. Thank you, Saskatchewan, but we're not done. The draw date is March 2nd. Last year, we raised $726,000 to the Telemiracle 50-50 online fund alone. Kinsman Foundation is helping people every day improve their quality of life and independence through the gifts of mobility equipment, medical travel assistance. All you got to do is put your credit card out, telemiracle.com. You have to be 19 years of age and over and be physically in the province of Saskatchewan. So get your tickets if you haven't already, because if you've been lucky in life, realize it there's a lot of people that haven't uh, by the way darren yeah the rock star of the day yesterday was mark steven the voice of the calgary stand peters for Rockstar supply chain solutions and i feel like we probably by acclamation can say that the rock star of the day today is peter mar calgary flames radio 66 cfr yeah we can probably He's- anoint that <laughs> people love pete they haven't forgotten pete it's been seven years now since he's been calling Calgary Flames games.
0: After 35 years. I mean, you don't forget somebody. Yeah, and I don't know what we did on social media when, we, when I posted some of this stuff, but people thought he was dead. He's not dead. <laughs> like, rest in peace, Peter Mar. It's like, uh, oh, no.
2: No? <laughs> he's coming on the show. Which is funny. That's not funny, but I was in Red Deer the other night, and they have in tape in the press box in Red Deer, I told you this, Cam Moon Memorial Press Box. Cam hasn't died yet. He's and a, I don't think he plans on dying soon. He's the bispin named voice of the Edmonton Orders after uh, 20 seasons as voice of the Red Deer Rebels. Yeah. So it was, it was a joke there, but people, for whatever reason, saw Peter Marr and thought that he'd passed away. As you saw 20 minutes ago, he's not even close to having passed away. Looks good. Sounds great. Always. Um, by the way, Mick is watching in Toledo, Ohio, on uh, the Buckeye Cable Service down there where they carry the RP Show on Game Plus. And he has a question for Peter. I just saw it. He said, aside from the Cup team in 89, what Flames team was the favorite to call games for? I'd have to suggest, if I can speak for Peter, it would have to be the 0304 Flames. When you say, Lee, that went to the Stanley Cup at last minute of play, last minute of play in the RP Show. He said it. The reviews, if they had video review to the degree that we do now, they would have won their second Stanley Cup. I get the sense, Moose, they are not over that in this town. No, they're not. I think they need one big therapy. They need a Dr. Phil here to get them in touch with their inner coach. No, he's not Chris Jones. I got to work <laughs> on my Dr. Phil impression. But no, I they're not over either. I don't have <laughs> Your one. inner coach. That's better. Got to get over it, Calgary. Yeah, I, Jones has that. Intercoat. What do we got tomorrow? Jonathan Woodard and Alan May, a big football and hockey day. Thank you, Peter Marr. Thank you, Peter Labardius. And most of all, thank you for keeping us on the air daily. We'll see you tomorrow at noon Eastern right here on Game Plus TV and YouTube Live. I never told you to shut up. Uh, Well, a couple times.
1: For more Rod Peterson On Demand, visit rodpeterson.com.